So I'm here with Stephanie Powell, Directors of Mission Mobilization at Christchurch Memphis. How are you today, Stephanie? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you thanks for, for asking. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So before we get into our conversation today, I want to do a couple icebreakers just to have some fun, let the people get to know you a little bit better. Uh, so my first question is, what was your first mission trip you ever went on? My first mission trip was to Nicaragua. Oh, what'd you and do there? We did. I worked with a medical and dental team. And I was more on the side of entertaining kids. I was not okay. doing the medical and dental. I was about to say, were you in there cleaning teeth <laughs> no, and pulling, pulling cavities? Teeth, but it was when I was uh, in high school. Oh, cool. So how long were you gone? We were there a week. Wow. Yes. So how enriching of an experience was that for you? It was the beginning of where God started to weave a, a long time story of just drawing my heart to the needs in the world and how He wants to use people to reach those needs. Very cool. And share his love. That's incredible. So second question, do you have a favorite mission trip that you've ever gone on? A favorite mission trip. That's really hard. That's (laughs) going to get me in trouble with a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I have uh, places that they mean a lot to me, Mm -hmm. but it's just because each of them are special, but it's because it's like seeing family. Mm. You know, Ethiopia will probably always be a favorite to mine, but it's because I live there longer, so you have stronger relationships and deeper family connections. How long did you live there? Uh, a couple of years. Okay. What'd you, what were you doing there? I taught and ESL. You weren't entertaining children? <laughs> I did not do dental work, and I did <laughs> not do medical work, but I taught ESL. Okay. That's so, fantastic. Yes. Okay. So third question, what's a favorite thing you've eaten while on a mission trip? Oh, gosh. Favorite thing. You know, I, I'm one of the—I'm not a picky eater, uh-huh. so it's it's not hard for me to try the new um, foods in every mm-hmm. culture. But, I mean, I don't know if this is my favorite, but it's the most interesting that pops in my head because recently I was taught how to make palm butter soup, Ooh. which had chicken feet in, oh. <laughs> in Liberia. But the palm butter was made from the palm tree in Dr. Henna's yard. So I learned— I learned a lot. That's interesting. Yeah. Has there been anything a little too unique that you wouldn't taste? Um, there's always something. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's cooked, I'm not a big fan of raw things as far that. as, you know, meat goes. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so next question. Have you ever met someone on a mission trip that you still keep up with to oh, this yeah. day? I think pretty much ever everyone. Really? Yeah. It's... You, the connections you make, you really feel like they're, a part, you know, just a part of your extended family. Mm. So sometimes it makes it harder to keep up with some rather than others, but I definitely try to keep up with them as best I can. Cool. So, so last one. Mm-hmm. What's your your biggest piece of encouragement or advice you can give to someone who's never been on a mission trip before? I think the biggest piece of advice is I was a very unlikely candidate to be traveling and I know if God can use me, God can use anybody. Mm. I was very much a homebody, you know, didn't didn't like to travel a whole lot as a kid. Mm. And so it surprised my whole family. But like I said, God oftentimes uses very unlikely people. But when He calls, He uses you in great ways. And it's just a blessing to be a part of His story. Are you still a homebody? Like, does that still resonate with you? I do, but I definitely love to travel. So, yeah. I mean, it's just something that God just— Awoken in my life. You know, I'm much more behind the scenes. You know, I don't have to be the front and center. And so, 
you may think that you're an unlikely candidate for God to use you, but He's gifted and talented everybody to be used and for His glory. And so, That's never great. count yourself out. That's great. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for sharing. So you you kind of you're not in a new role, but you have a new focus in your position. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, I'm still going to do a lot of what I'm already doing, which um, mobilizing our people to know how they're gifted, to be able to serve locally, internally, globally. But at the same time, we also have new staff that are on our mission team now that will help free up some of my time so that I can be on the front lines, Mm -hmm. whether that be within the city, working with our partners and our members, um, or globally. Um, so that there's, we make sure that there's not a disconnect between um, our people that are outside the walls and that we that we have on the field. Given your passions and your history, it seems like being boots on the ground is really more of your forte. Is that right? It definitely is. Um, I can do the meetings and all the admin, but eventually that really draws the sucks the life out of me. <laughs> so I really love being with the people, serving alongside our people, helping mm-hmm. people see see how God can use them in a different way and really walking alongside people. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody who maybe is only serving in the church or not serving at all? What's your encouragement to them or where would you send them? I think um, we definitely want to help them know where their gifts and talents are and how we, we can get them connected. We want everyone involved in a worship service, connected to a small group and, and serving and involved in um, missions. And we have the serving wall that they can visit to learn more about our partners. They can contact Nathan or I um, via email. Or we also have a serving link that helps kind of walk through questions on the website that people can kind of fill out, and then we can connect with them that way. Um, But we definitely need all hands on deck. And I would say don't let fear get in the way. There's so many different um, places that people can serve, whether that be in education or whether that be with human trafficking or with students or adults, or um, there's there's an avenue for everybody to play a part. This this seems like a really elementary question, but I, I think it speaks to something a little larger: is why should people serve? Like, what's the point in serving outside of the church walls? Well, it's not just serving, but ultimately, it is to share the good news, to be His hands and feet, and to spread spread the gospel, to build relationships within our city and globally, um, to share the gospel. Well, you've recently done that yourself. You've gone on a mission trip. Can you tell me where you went and who you worked with? Recently, I went to Liberia to visit one of uh, our partners that I had never seen um, on the ground. I had never been there to visit, mm-hmm. and that is Healthy Women, Healthy Liberia, with working with Dr. Henna. Gotcha. So uh, I understand Liberia has a little bit of a tumultuous history. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, I definitely want—I would like to challenge everybody to do a study or look into the history of Liberia, but I definitely learned a lot. And they went through a 14-year civil war that pretty much devastated the country, and they're still trying to recover. That civil war ended in 2003, and post-civil war, then they had the Ebola outbreak. Mm. And then you—on top of that, you add malaria cases or— Um, COVID. You know, they. Um, I think prior to the Civil War, there were 50 doctors for the country of Liberia wow. of like almost 5 million. Wow. And so medical in the country is just stressed to the max. Mm. 
So, so it, it sounds like they never really even had a chance to re- begin recovery in the country. You know, when, when you go through something for 14 years, a lot of people flee, mm-hmm. and a lot of people haven't returned. Mm-hmm. It's a slow rebuild, and mm-hmm. it is, um, it's very draining, and you can tell that it's played a huge, it has had a huge impact on the people that are there trying to do rebuild, mm-hmm. and um, there's still a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, but very, very sweet people. And there, you can tell at one time it was, you know, it was developed in, in so many ways. And like I said, that the Civil War just really destroyed a lot of things. Is the this, the current government and operating bodies, are they on the up and up? Are they corrupt? How How is that kind of working in that country? Well, you know, I don't know everything about sure, the, sure, the sure, government, sure. but it's, um, I'm pretty sure that depends on who you ask. There's mm-hmm. always different opinions, but it definitely seems like it is more stable now. That's great. You know. So they can at least start heading in the right, right direction. Yes. I think they're heading in a great direction, but it's just a slow rebuild. Hmm. You, you told me a story the other day about you've been on all these mission trips and, you know, engaging with children and how they, they laugh and smile and you can engage with them. But you told a different story about Liberia. Can you tell that to the people? Yeah, so we, Dr. Henna and her staff, every year, once a year, they feed a thousand kids in her community. Um, that's her Christmas gift to the kids in her community. And so we were there that day, and we started to notice as kids come in, the kids are very sweet, um, very engaging, but it's ha- it was hard to get them to smile and laugh. And usually, any culture that you go into, you can get kids to laugh and smile, hmm. um, even if you can speak their language or not. And you could just tell on the faces of the kids that there's still so much trauma and lack of hope mm. that it was it was very it was very hard to see. And so I'm not saying it was every child, but for the majority, when you're feeding a thousand and the majority it's hard to get to smile, mm. you can just read it on their faces. And I think that speaks to the the deep level of trauma that that 14 year war caused, and just like we were talking about the long rebuild that they're looking at ahead. It's going to be decades to recover from this if your children are already feeling that trauma, correct? Yes, uh, correct, yeah. And we definitely just need to keep them in our prayers. I don't think we can even begin to fathom or imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, a couple of years of walking through COVID had a mental effect on a lot of people in the U.S., yeah. but 14 years of the Civil War, oh. like, it's hard to even wrap our minds around. Yeah, for sure. So can you, you've talked about Dr. Henna a few times. Can you tell me about who she is and the work she's doing? Yes. So Dr. Henna, we have worked with her. Christchurch has worked with her for probably 20-plus years. She did medical missions in Russia, Kazakhstan, Sweden, and then decided to go back home in 2012 to start her own clinic. She is Liberian. And so she went back and started Healthy Women, Healthy Liberia. And the clinic is actually called uh, Waterfield Clinic. And they don't actually just treat women. They can tra- they treat men as well. So they, have, they can do dental, vision. They can treat all things. So is it just a set location in the country, or do they travel into the villages? How do they operate? They do have a set location, but then they also have a portion of the staff that travel out into the villages, and they work in um, approximately like 90 villages doing health care, whether that be prenatal, vitamin A, because there seems to be a large problem with uh, younger population losing their vision, Hmm. or worm pills, things like that. So they, they do a lot of 
outreach into mm. the villages as well, but they also have the the location. It's, it, part- it's in, and it's located in Kakata, okay, Liberia. Is part of their their mission and goals to bring in more doctors? Is that something they're actively doing? Um, she's actually built a guest house so she can bring in teams from the U.S. She, she does have teams that come in from the U.S., medical teams, surgeons, dental teams, and she loves she loves that. It's set up to have, have that um, or to be able to utilize people's skills. They just recently built a surgery um, wing and a maternity ward. Wow. So previously they were walking with women up until doing all prenatal up until birth. But what they realized is the women weren't going to the hospital to deliver. They were delivering at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a really high rate of infant mortality. So they expanded and built the maternity ward as well. So in our previous conversation, you were telling me about the Fulani and their impact on Liberia. In 2022, Christchurch did the Fulani Project that focused on this unreached people group. Can you tell me a little bit, just kind of revisit what we did in 2022 as well as what the Fulani, what their involvement in Liberia is now? Yes, so I was interested to find out that the um, we have focused on the, the Fulani and they're in a lot of West African countries. Um, I was interested to find out that they own a large majority of the businesses, especially in the market there. And so just really, we've been really talking about and praying about how God can use um, our partnership in this area to continue to deepen our focus to reach the unreached. Hmm. And so there's also a couple of other unreached people groups that are not, that are within Liberia are are close Hmm. that, you know, prayerfully God, you know, we can really pray how we can help get the gospel to them. Hmm. Did they offer a significant resistance in that country to the gospel? I would say the the majority are Christians, but you know, with that, it, it, there's still different beliefs mm-hmm. and things like that that may um, have gotten a little, you know, off. It's culturally okay, even within the church, for a, a guy to have more than one wife, mm-hmm. and so things like that. It gets a little tricky, yeah. even though they they would say they're Christian. Mm-hmm. So. We kind of set the stage. So you've traveled on this trip. What did you do while you were there? I've traveled with some of the board members to be able to see. Stan Harding is um, on the board. He's actually the president of, of the board. And they. we were going to see the new surgery and maternity wing. We helped do some painting of that while we were there. And it should be finished in February. They did a lot of maintenance on her vans and solar panels and, and, and things like that just to help her out with things that she can't, she may not be able to repair. Um, we did a Christmas party for the staff, her staff. She has 20 or 30 staff that she disciples, pours into. They do a, a devotion and worship every morning before they open the clinic and really keeping Christ the center of what they're doing. And so we did a Christmas party for them um, and really tried to pour into them and encourage them because it's really easy to burn out in in a situation like that where nobody's really pouring into you. Mm -hmm. And each staff member got a bag of rice, oil, and some seasoning. And so they they were pumped about it. They were excited. Some of them, they they eat rice every meal Mm -hmm. and rice only. And so they were really excited. And then we helped feed the 1,000 kids, um, which literally we fed kids all day. 
but that's something her and her staff do. Um, and then we went to the villages with the the staff to see what the work was that they were doing and in those villages. And then we did some stuff at the clinic to to help out and things like that. That was the large majority of what we did. That's really great. What are some of the takeaways that you felt that moved your heart while you were there? I love I always love to see how God is working in a new area. And sometimes we're we've we view God as small, but God is so big and working in so many different places in powerful ways. And so it was really it was really neat to see how God is using Dr. Henna and her staff and how God has used this clinic, not just to heal the sick, but also to provide an opportunity and a job and a way up for for some people. And, you know, like I said, Dr. Henna is also discipling these people and pouring into the the next generation. And so it was really a blessing to be able to see that and walk alongside them. Wow. So you were telling me earlier about a really interesting person you met while you were there. Can you tell that story to the people? Yes. Yeah, so we had a visitor to the clinic. Uh, Dr. Henna is um, the doctor to one of the former presidents of Liberia. She was actually president post-Civil War. But it's Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, Madam Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, and she was the first female president on the continent of Africa and was actually a Nobel Peace Prize winner as well. So it was great. to. She's 84 now, but she has such a strong mind, and she's investing a lot into the future of Liberia, like, you know, taking in young— young girls and teaching them and and trying to raise up the next generation. So it was a, I tried to express to the staff how much of an honor it was for her to, to just be there to having conversation. We had lunch with her and just to Very cool. gain wisdom from her. Definitely somebody to be praying for in that country. Exactly. And she, she's, she's a Methodist. Oh. And so <laughs> that's great. She's a believer. So wow. um, anyway, God's definitely, for such a time as this, placed her in a place to, to be very influential. For someone who may not be able to travel to Liberia, how can they support the works of Dr. Henna and her crew? You know, with each any of our partners, um, Stan Harding champions um, Healthy Women, Healthy Liberia. But we want to develop more of a team. And so we really want people to come alongside and and be her encouragement. She does have other connections here in Christchurch. She, you know, because we've partnered and people have known her for a long time. She's so she's got strong relationships here. But we really want people to be her encouragement, be the staff's encouragement. Send them a note. Hey, I'm praying for you. Send a scripture. Send a song. Like just knowing that someone thought about and prayed for them today is huge, and it means a lot because they might not have a lot of people pouring into them at all. For someone who's heard this and said, wow, this sounds really awesome. I want to go see this firsthand. Is there another trip to Liberia planned? Is there something on the books? We we definitely want to plan a trip to Liberia. We definitely, especially if you have, uh, you want to use your medical skills um, in any way, we would definitely want that. But you don't have to be a medical, you know, you don't have to be a doctor or surgeon or uh, a dentist. Mm -hmm. You know, God can use you as well. Um, So... The date will be coming soon, I'll say. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I think the overwhelming theme that I'm hearing from you is expertise not needed, just a heart to go. Is that accurate? That's true. Very true. And God can God can use you in great ways. There's something for everybody to do. 
being a support, helping, just lend a helping hand. Even yeah. if you can help around the clinic. And so just pouring into the staff, doing devotions for them, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And that was a, a huge thing just to pour into the staff. Mm-hmm. The last question, how can we pray for Dr. Henna and her crew? Is there any any tangible things that they need, anything that we can pray for for them? I think um, definitely continue to pray for long-term perseverance and, and strength and vision as God continues to lead them forward, that they wouldn't grow weary, thinking of Galatians 6, 9, that they wouldn't grow weary in doing good, mm-hmm. that at the proper time they would reap a harvest. The work, sometimes you can feel like you're putting Band-Aids on broken bones because the work is so much and the need is so much. So keep for just praying for them to stay strong and for God to continue to encourage them. And I think as well, she's uh, recently lost her father, who was 100, which is a huge celebration. Like, very few Liberians have lived to make it to 100. So she's—but it's still definitely a bittersweet thing in the last few days. So pray for her as she grieves. And then whenever she's here in the state, she comes once a year. I would love to see our people just invite her into your home for a meal and just let her tell you more about her. She has a fascinating story even before Liberia of working with the underground church and things like that. And so she she has God's used her in great ways. And so very cool. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for sharing your heart, sharing your story. We really appreciate you. Thank you for having me.